nothing for his troubles except some singed fingertips. Delaney had considered turning back, except problems at Dover Air Force Base, where normal cargo flights to Thule originated, had hampered three recent attempts to resupply the base above the Arctic Circle. He also knew the narrow weather window they were enjoying would close before another mission could take off. He now considered his decision to press on as another of the small mishaps befalling the crew of the Stratofreighter. Then, just half an hour ago, Lieutenant Winger had noticed the engines were running hot. Delaney had opened the cowls around the four Pratt and Whitney's in an effort to cool them, adding more drag to the aircraft and slowing them further. The tactic had worked for a while, but the temperatures began creeping inexorably back toward the red. That was when the number one engine began to misfire. It cleared itself for a few minutes, and then started sputtering again, vibrating the airframe until her aluminum ribs creaked. Delaney had no choice but to shut it down. "'When the temp drops enough, we'll try to restart the engine,' he told Winger. "'Tom, are there any landing strips on this side of Greenland?' "'No, sir. Chart shows nothing except mountains and ice. There is a place called Camp Decade, about a hundred and fifty miles south of where we're going to cross the coast, but it's strips designed for planes with skis.' "'Damn,' Delaney paused his mind working out distances and odds. All right. If the engine doesn't refire smoothly, we'll swing around and try for Iceland. Major, that's about 230 miles behind us. There was a tight edge in Sanders' voice. He was too young to have seen combat during the war, and Delaney suspected that this was the first time the young officer had tasted true fear. During the five minutes the pilot waited for the number one engine to cool, the flight deck was quiet. Even when the towering ramparts and dark fjords that protected eastern Greenland came into view. Delaney had never seen such a forlorn place. The mountains were all snow capped, and behind them the relentless Greenland ice shelf pressed against their landward side so that great glaciers spilled between the valleys, tumbling to the ocean like frozen waterfalls. Delaney knew that beyond the small strip of coast there was a sea of ice about 850,000 miles square and as thick as any ocean was deep. Okay, Major, Temp is down to number one. In fact, it looks like all the horses are running in a row now. Delaney scanned the gauges and saw that the open cowlings had worked in cooling the engines again. He restarted number one and it began purring sedately, as though there had never been a problem. Working the prop controls, he felt the four blades bite into the air and the C-97 become more responsive. "'That's a little better,' he breathed, and Winger and Sanders exchanged grins. "'Feet dry in about five minutes.' The plane cleared the mountains at 180 knots, well below her optimum cruising speed and much lower than her most efficient altitude. Beyond the strip of ice-carved mountains, Delaney and Winger were faced with an expanse of ice that stretched far beyond the horizon. Under the immense weight of new snow dropping in the interior, the billions of tons of ice were slowly moving toward the coast like an endless conveyor belt. As the ice moved, it scraped against the underlying rock so that any irregularities under the mile-thick mantle appeared on the surface as huge, fractured ridges. The cap was so riven that to Delaney it looked like a hurricane sea had been flash-frozen, every wave rendered in razor-sharp crests that sometimes reached a hundred feet into the air. "'Jesus,' he said under his breath. Lieutenant Winger was just turning to say something to Delaney when engine number one exploded. The double banks of cylinders came apart like a bomb, 
shrapnel and oil and burning fuel blasting apart the nacelle like it had been hit by anti-aircraft artillery. In seconds the wing around the burning engine was blackened by flame, and soon it began to come apart as the wind ripped at the tears in the aluminum caused by red-hot debris. The C-97 winged over as she lost lift on her left side. Delaney fought the plane, taking just an instant to see the altimeter spinning backward in a blur. He noted that Winger was already shutting off fuel to the wrecked power plant. Good man. "'Tom, what do you see?' the pilot shouted, his lips pulled back around his teeth from the exertion of keeping his crippled plane in the air. The navigator looked out the tiny window next to his station. His training had taken over— and rather than give in to the fear that cramped his stomach, he spoke calmly. The engine's gone, and the wing looks like it's about to let go, too. She's still burning. Wait. She's going out. Fuel's off, Winger said as he straightened back to the control.